It's my honor and my pleasure to call up Joe Goldman to the BEMA. And as I said, Joe is the Community Engagement Director for the Western Region of HIAS, the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. Come on up. So HIAS is the world's oldest and only Jewish international humanitarian agency serving refugees and asylum seekers of all background. And I certainly grew up in Chicago knowing a lot about HIAS and um, being involved, thus understanding of what it means to be in the diaspora and dispersed around the world. You have worked um, primarily your entire life with Mazon and here at the Jewish Community Relations Council. You unfortunately left us to work in Los Angeles for HIAS um, with your husband Adam. We miss you both terribly, but we are really honored you're here with us tonight, Joe. So. Um, many of us uh, find it difficult to keep tuning in to what is happening across the globe from us. And simultaneously, I know for me, um, my family is from Kerch, which was Ukraine and the Black Sea. And as, as soon as we realized what was happening, I went back to my family pictures and I started looking at my family pictures, the people who left and came to safety um, and ended up in Chicago. And I'm thinking so much about how hard the work is and continues, um, even just keeping people's focus on it because it's not something happy, it's not something we want to acknowledge, and many of us struggle, how do we stay focused and keep the work up? So the first thing I want to um, invite you to talk to us about is um, the work of HIAS, and then I know that HIAS works all over the world, but specifically what is happening in Ukraine and what can we do to help? Wow. Um, a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts, and I, I will say, first of all, how wonderful it is to be back. Um, and, you know, I really feel like I'm home when I'm here at Emmanuel. Uh, Rabbi Rodich actually officiated my wedding in Los Angeles, and if I, if Adam and I still lived here, we would absolutely be members here. So uh, it really feels wonderful to, to be back, and I still uh, tune in uh, for high holidays from time to time because... I really feel at home, even with all of the many shuls in, that are wonderful uh, down in LA. So you sh big, big win for San Francisco here. Um, there's a lot to unpack in in this, and that you know, and even acknowledging earlier uh, the questions around you know Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court. I want to acknowledge that you know we are um, facing a threat to ourselves, and so while we are here to talk about Ukraine, I want to acknowledge it's okay to let some of that focus go, because we do face um, a real threat, and, and especially as a gay man, uh, and having read what uh, the bullseye that has been put on the LGBTQ community in addition to women, um, that's very real. So I just want to acknowledge that. For our work at HIAS, we, are, we, we got started because of pogroms in Kyiv in 1881. We were established because the Jewish community recognized a need to help our people uh, flee and achieve safety and self-sufficiency out of harm's way. And even though we have grown to uh, span five continents and be in 17 countries, we've been helping people flee Ukraine uh, every step of the way because not only were there pogroms, there were Nazis, there were Soviet repressions, and, um, and then Putin's first invasion in 2014 that technically never ended. And we actually now have a partner in Ukraine that was our highest Ukraine office. It's called Right to Protection. It serves the, in all the internally displaced people who are within Ukraine. Uh, when Putin had his first invasion of Ukraine, it created one and a half million internally displaced folks. 
Those were people who were forced out of their homes that didn't want to leave Ukraine. They were just trying to go somewhere safer within Ukraine and, and weren't crossing borders. And now there are nearly 8 million internally displaced people and about 5.5 million refugees. And so we are working with both populations. And what a lot of folks don't talk about are those internally displaced people, because we often think about just those who have crossed into, in, into another country. And we're providing a, a lot of different forms of support that I can go into detail later, but I think the, the main pieces here are recognizing that most refugees are not going to be coming here. They are going to be staying in Europe, uh, including a lot of the Jewish ones. And uh, the other piece is that we should not be shipping goods <laughs> over there. They have supply chains as strained as they are. Uh, but one of the biggest things that are needed on both sides of the Ukrainian border is cash-based assistance for displaced people. On the refugee side, it's especially important because we are no strangers, even in our own country, to anti-refugee politics. And if the Ukrainian refugees are viewed as not carrying their own weight, not paying, starting to pay rent for the free housing that many Poles, for example, are offering to them, or being able to buy food and things like that, uh, that can create a very toxic environment. On the Ukrainian side, it also means sustaining the Ukrainian economy as fragile as it is. Um, and so that is where the financial support, whether it's with HIAS or any other agency, goes a lot further than you may think. It may not feel as great to do, uh, but it's also something that I can say in my almost three years with HIAS, this is the first time I'm sitting in any synagogue and, be, and on all these different BIMAs to ask for support because a lot of what we are doing is also advocacy. It's education, understanding how the refugee system works, and so on. So that gives us you know, some um, lens into what we can do, which is it sounds like cash is very important on both sides of the border. Uh, President Biden has um, recently announced that uh, the Uniting for Ukraine program is going to welcome 100,000 uh, refugees into the United States. And we know that tens of thousands of refugees were airlifted to Israel. Can you tell us about Hayes's work kind of with what we can do here and then what happened in Israel and what goes on happening in Israel? Sure. So uh, I could talk a lot about both. I'll start with the United States. The Uniting for Ukraine program, on the one hand, it is going to save thousands of lives. Um, the, what is different about it is that there is a conventional refugee resettlement system. Uh, here in the Bay Area, Hayes has two affiliates, Jewish Family Community Services of the East Bay and uh, JFS of Silicon Valley. Uh, and they resettle refugees, there are caseworkers uh, and social workers, translators, who help uh, when clients arrive to find housing and uh, enroll in schools, vocational training, all the things you can imagine to start over and begin a new life. And one critical piece is that when you're in the regular refugee resettlement program, you have a path to legal permanency. Unfortunately, the Uniting for Ukraine program, while it is awesome and that it is expediting a lot of, of applications very quickly and setting a precedent that we have the ability to actually welcome people and do background checks very quickly, we are forcing them into humanitarian parole, and they're going to have to uh, seek asylum in our overcrowded immigration courts which, by the way, are not part of the conventional judicial system. They are run under the executive branch and therefore are at the whims of uh, politics, which are no bueno. 
Uh, and I say that even under this administration, that it is a bipartisan problem. And the other piece here is that we are also relying on Congress to allocate funding so that Ukrainians who are coming can benefit from, can enroll in health insurance uh, and SNAP for food stamps and so on. Otherwise, all of us who are welcoming them here are going to be on the hook. Um, the good news is that HIAS is working very closely with uh, Jewish Federations of North America and a few other partner organizations on a very macro level to create what we're calling, uh, you know, what we've called for private sponsorship of Afghans, HIAS Welcome Circles. It may have a slightly different name to be determined very soon uh, for Ukrainians. And what's exciting about it is that you don't have to be an agency to resettle Ukrainians. Um, and there are going to be a number of Ukrainians who come who are only coming here until the war ends, and then they'll go home. Uh, but there are others for whom that is absolutely not an option. And, you know, and, and one piece of that is really pushing the Biden administration to not rely on processes like humanitarian parole uh, for every different type of refugee crisis uh, because it, it doesn't lead to that path of permanency and self-sufficiency and determination of being able to know your next steps. And uh, we will have lots and lots of information because there are congregations across the country that are agitating like nobody's business, because I hear from them every day, uh, wanting to welcome Ukrainians. And you know we've had enormous success with highest welcome circles in Southern California, where we thought maybe there'd be two or three congregations that do it because they need to raise $20,000 and uh, commit to supporting a family for a minimum of six months and have a core group of five to eight people who go through some training and, and background checks. And even though the whole congregation is often involved, uh, it's a huge undertaking. We have. 14. And it has transformed a lot of our partner congregations, and a lot of clergy have come forward saying, this is how we do Jewish. In Israel, um, I, you know, look, Israel's a country we helped build. We helped with every wave of Aliyah, uh, even predating the state's establishment. Uh, at the beginning of the war, it was not a pretty picture for most people who were fleeing to Israel. If you were not Jewish, you were required to put uh, $3,000 into an account and promise that you would leave in a couple months. And what is important to recognize is that in Israel, there are upwards of a million Jews from the former Soviet Union. And like their counterparts here in the United States, the former Soviet Union had a very high intermarriage rate, which means under the law of return, there are a lot of people who have non-Jewish spouses who we are very lucky married into our community and are now Israeli citizens. And now their loved ones are fleeing to the only place on Earth where they have family not under Putin's fire. So uh, fortunately, th that initial decision did lead to um, widespread mainstream condemnation and pushes to change uh, from within the coalition government in Israel. It's a very fragile government. And uh, one of the areas where Hyas has been very focused is uh, doing litigation on behalf of those who are seeking asylum and have been denied. I would say the biggest case that we had, which was also done with support from the reform and conservative movements in Israel, was a pro bono case uh, also involving a lot of folks from the Israeli tech industry. We had two un uh, minors who fled Ukraine where their grandparents lived. Uh, they were on a train that was shelled. The, the teenagers managed to get to Krakow and then fly to Tel Aviv from there. Their mother 
lives in Israel and is a non-Jewish woman who is undocumented living in Israel. And there are a lot of folks from the former Soviet Union who are undocumented who live there. And the Israeli government wanted to deport these children. Uh, and fortunately, uh, even though they were working around the clock, we managed to secure uh, their right to stay uh, five minutes before their 5 a.m. flight was supposed to leave the gate. And not only did we win at the last possible moment, it, that case resulted in impact litigation in which everyone who is denied uh, initial right to stay or asylum at the airport is given 48 hours and must be notified in their native language in writing and also be given resources to secure legal aid. Wow, that's a lot to take in. Um, and how do you wake up every day and, and do this work? What, what gives you a sense of hope? Because you know, as, as soon as it became apparent to all of us that this wasn't gonna go away, this wasn't gonna be something that happened and then we looked back and said that was terrible what Russia did, but it was gonna continue, um, what gives you some hope? And then I'm interested to know, um, in addition to sending money and channeling through HIAS or other organizations, what can we as a congregation do? Could we become one of those partner congregations with HIAS, just as you're working on them in Los Angeles? Uh, so I'll start with the, your, the last part of your question, which is yes, I would love to see Emmanuel. Um, once we have more details uh, available to really get involved, we actually have a call on uh, a big briefing call with JFNA on May 23rd. Uh, so I will be sure to share the resources, the, the link and information with you, uh, because that is going to be a time when we really, by then, should have all the information for congregations around the country to really figure out how we're going to move forward. It may be something where we are working in partnership both as highest and with our affiliates in the Bay Area, uh, but just know that those affiliates, they are essentially our subcontractors. When both agencies resettle a refugee, they're highest refugees. Um, how do I do this every day? <laughs> um, that is a great question. I do think that what makes this particular work really powerful and impactful for me is that we would not be here if not for international refugee policy, or at least a huge number of us would not be here. The United Nations in 1951 had the Geneva Convention on Refugees, which was uh, signed by both the United States and Israel. And, if you th and, and it was honored and then in, in, U in the US was codified unanimously into law by Congress in 1980. Hard to believe any unanimous anything coming out of Washington. But if you think about Jews from the former Soviet Union and Iran, as well as certainly the vast majority of Holocaust survivors who have come to live here and their progeny, and Israeli Jews who have come to live in the United States and especially California. I can't imagine how our Jewish existence would be without these systems, as imperfect as they are and as much reluctance as there is from governments to uphold and enforce them. And I think from a Jewish lens, you know, there, there's, I'm, I am driven in, you know, by B'Tselem Elohim, that we're all made in the same image, and, and tzedek, 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 justice, justice, you shall pursue. I, and I think, you know, to even pull from Hatikva, it gets to nefesh Yehudi, it's the soul of the Jew to do this work. And, you know, it's, it is very hard, especially when there are so many things we have to be doing. And I also think we have the ability, at least right now, to continue to 
walk and chew gum at the same time. Thank you so much, Joey. Super appreciate you being with us and in inspiring us to think about, I love how you frame the fact that there's work to do at home, that Roe v. Wade being potentially, we know it will be overturned, and what that means as a target for other people, uh, and that we have to simultaneously be focused on the freedoms in our own country, but also recognize that there are so many people. And uh, I think about the fact that, you know, I was born in 19... 66, and if I was born 20 years before or 40 years before, um, what would my life be like? So when you think about what your life is like today and you think about things that are hard or challenging, um, think about what's going on right now just across the globe to Jews and non-Jews and the kind of important work that's done every day from Hyas. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And we look forward to thinking about learning more about our partnership with Hyas. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be here.